And this is Encounter with God. You're listening to Faith FM. Nobody has snapped up the clue for the quiz yet, and so now is the time to get ready to call because the clues are getting easier. 1-800-324-843 is the number. What's our prize for today there, Mon? It is a copy of the book Babylon Rising by John Bradshaw. Okay, so Babylon is rising as Notre Dame is falling. That's Yeah, that's true. Hmm. Lyle. (laughs) There's some parallels there, some interesting parallels between the fall of Notre Dame and, uh, yeah, the fall of Babylon. Okay, clue coming right up. What city am I? Paul lived by himself with a soldier to guard him in this city. Hmm. Okay. What city might that be? I didn't know Paul lived there by himself with a soldier to guard him. House arrest. Uh, 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 uh. I was wondering, I like lived or like under arrest? Yeah. <laughs> Slightly different. A little bit different. He didn't have a personal body. Well, he had a personal bodyguard to guard him from running away. Yeah. Uh-huh. So basically a, a, a gatekeeper, a prison yeah, keep, innkeeper. Right. Yeah. Because uh-huh. yeah. uh-huh. I was thinking to myself, man, living by yourself, that's the dream, isn't it? But maybe not in this situation. It's kind of more like a Julian Assange kind of a situation, right? Something like that. Yeah. Definitely yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah. All right. Okay. So uh, we were in the book of Revelation and we need to be looking at uh, Revelation chapter. Revelation. Have you noticed how, how quiet the office is this morning, Mon? It's just, <laughs> it feels yeah. weird, doesn't it? It's like a ghost town. I expect like tumbleweed to go flying by any second. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's away getting ready for big camp. They're all up at Stuart's Point. So yes, if indeed. you're not there, then that's where you need to be. Okay, Revelation 20 is where we are at, and we need to have a look at uh, this passage here. Okay, so let's do, a, let's do a bit of a review. So we found that Revelation 20 begins uh, straight after Revelation 19. Surprise, surprise, mm-hmm. but the two chapters are really part of the one prophecy. Revelation 19 gives us the introduction with the return of Jesus to this earth, the destruction of the wicked, the next event that takes place is the imprisoning of uh, Satan where he is bound for a thousand years in the bottomless pit. We noted that at the second coming of Jesus, this earth is depopulated of all living inhabitants. All of the righteous are in heaven, all of the wicked are dead and are on earth. The Bible says that they did not live again until the thousand years were finished. That's the dead who are wicked here on this earth. So we know the resurrection of damnation takes place at the end of the thousand years. The Bible says, Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. And so the first resurrection is the resurrection of the righteous. Definitely the one that we want to be part of. Yes. Then we noted that the world will be, the earth itself will be destroyed. It will be flattened by an earthquake. It will be taken back to scratch. Um, God is restoring it back to what it was at the time of creation. A bare rock, essentially, in the middle of space. Just a cold, empty nothingness that the Bible actually describes as a bottomless pit. Oh, really? An abyss. Yes, you missed this yesterday. The Bible describes it as an abyss, a bottomless pit. We noted that the only place in the universe that Satan is allowed to go is the bottomless pit. We noted that... um, that, The purpose for binding Satan was so that he could deceive no one anymore, deceive the nations no more, the Bible says. Mm -hmm. And so that is well served by restricting him to this bottomless pit, uh, by leaving him here in this world for a thousand years. He can't deceive anyone because there's nobody here to deceive. Nothing to do. And we noted that you can't bind a spiritual being with a literal chain, but you can certainly bind one with a chain of circumstances. Yeah, so he's in timeout. Yes, 
His circumstances have changed. He has time out. And, you know, Satan has always wanted to sit on the throne of God. He has always wanted to be in the position of God. He has always wanted to usurp the throne of Jesus Christ. And at the end of the thousand years, what you're going to find is that Jesus is going to recreate this world. Amen. And when God first created this world, when Jesus first created this world, it took him just six days. Mm. And so essentially what God is doing is like, okay, Satan, amongst other things, God is, okay, Satan, um, you have been telling the universe that you know, you're know you up to the task of running the universe. Here's a bare planet. I'm not going to give you just six days. I'll give you a thousand years. Let's see what you can do with it in a thousand years. What can you create in a thousand years? I'd be very intrigued to see what he actually can create because he doesn't have any creative power. Of course, there'll yeah. be nothing here. It will be exactly the same or worse at the end of that thousand years. He's basically got a thousand years in solitary confinement where God says, okay, you think you can create something? Go for it. Mm. And, of course, nothing will take place because Satan cannot create. Only God can create. Anyway, congratulations to Michael from Kurumbong who has got the answer to the quiz question correct good on you michael answer of course was the city of rome rome yes indeed kind of hard to make obscure um questions about such a famous city all clues lead to rome Ah, see what i did there lyle (laughs) moving on with the show moving on with the show (laughs) let's let's not spend time there um and so this is a summary really of where we're up to so far now what we got to yesterday, which we did not have time to cover, was that the Bible says in Revelation chapter 4 that the righteous will judge with Jesus. The Bible says, I saw, this is now during the 1,000 years, Revelation 20 verse 4, thrones, and those that sat upon them, judgment was given to them. I saw the souls of those that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast near his image, nor received his mark on their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. And so essentially what you have here is, uh, is, is a process of judgment taking place in which the righteous are involved. So the people are judging and Satan is attempting to prove that he can be the ruler of an earth. So the question that goes through my mind is very simply this. Why are the people judging? Hasn't the judgment already taken place? If you're going to come to this earth and you're going to save some people and condemn some people, the Bible says, Jesus says, I bring my reward with me. Mm. It's Revelation uh, 16, second last verse. Um, I bring my reward with me, then clearly judgment has already taken place. You don't hand yeah. out rewards and like, yes, you're going to hellfire and you're going to eternal life. And so, uh, and, and, and so therefore, um, then uh, uh, we'll, once we've, um, you know, sent some people to hellfire and some people to eternal life, let's now sit down and have a judgment, find out who's guilty and who's saved. Yeah, that's, that, that would, that's crazy. That makes no sense at all. Yeah, but Clearly they, the judgment has taken place before Jesus comes back. Are they maybe double-checking the judgments that Jesus made so that they can see how fair he's been? Why would you need to double-check Jesus' judgments? I don't know, so they can see for themselves. Don't you trust him? <clears throat> I'm sorry, just cleared my throat into the microphone. Um, well... I mean, the devil's whole MO 
is to attack the character of God, character of Jesus, right? Yes. So as a way of vindicating his character, I don't know, wouldn't it be a good strategy to let people see you're working out? Like, you know, you know how when you do those math tests, you have to show you're working out so people can see you you know what you're doing? You just write the answer in. This is an excellent question. So let's read about the judgment that takes place before Jesus comes back. All right, the one that takes place before Jesus comes back, Daniel chapter 7 and verse 9 and 10. And Mon has got started on her, what, four litres of water are you going to drink today? A minimum at least, yeah. All right. Daniel chapter 7, verse 9 and 10, please, Mon. Uh, let me just get to the right page. My fingers are all sore from pumping iron in the ad breaks because that's how buff I am. Okay, <laughs> 7, 9 and 10. I watched as thrones were put in place and the ancient one sat down to judge. His clothing was as white as snow, his hair like purest wool. He sat on a fiery throne with wheels of blazing fire and a river of fire was pouring out, flowing from his presence. Millions of angels ministered to him. Many millions stood to attend him. Then the court began its session and the books were opened. Okay, so what you've got finding, what you find here is how many people have gathered for this judgment? Sounds like millions and millions of people, to be honest. Millions and millions. Mm -hmm. And so the judgment, I want you to notice, that takes place before the return of Christ is held in open court. So lots of witnesses. Lots of witnesses. Mm -hmm. In fact, anyone in the universe who wants to witness can witness. And the reason that you hold a judgment in open court is because you want your decisions to be under the closest possible scrutiny. And if you want your decisions to be under the closest possible scrutiny, then obviously you want your decisions to be seen as being fair and righteous and just. And you want people to be in agreement. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so when God holds a judgment, God doesn't need to find out who's saved and who's lost. He already knows that. Yeah. The reason that he holds a judgment is so that he can defeat Satan because Satan has made all these accusations. He's like, okay, uh, Satan has accused me of this and this and this and this and this and, and this is the other. Let's have a judgment. And he opens up all the records. Here is every record that there is. Come and dispute it if you can. Wow. So it's, it's really for our benefit. Uh, it's just the universe's benefit. This is once again a display of God's love for us. Exactly. Yeah. There's a problem with that judgment that happens before Jesus comes back. Is there? Yes. What's that? You're not there. How do you know that God is just and fair and all loving? Now, we trust God. Mm-hmm. But let's say that somewhere amongst those who are saved, there is someone who has the tiniest seed of doubt. Mm. So they've given their life to Jesus Christ, but they've got a seed of doubt that has been sown by Satan that maybe God is not just in every decision. Maybe maybe you get to heaven and it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, where is this person? Where is that person? Where is the other person? Where are these people? I thought they were really good. I thought they were going to make it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, And God says, well, they didn't make it because they weren't righteous. And we trust God, so it's like, okay, we're going to take God at face value. Yeah, I mean, that sort of brings to mind when non-believers mock Christians as being just blind sheep. Okay. Mm. 
All right, I am glad you said that because God never, ever expects people to have blind faith. God never expects people to have faith without evidence and rock-solid evidence. And if there is the slightest seed of doubt Mm. in the context of eternity, you know that's going to grow, right? Yeah, of course. You can't not. Yeah. That is simply the way that uh, creatures that have the power of choice are. And so if that grows, then of course it's going to grow to the point that it comes back again and uh, sin arises again, death comes back, pain comes back, suffering comes back, and Jesus has to die again and the whole thing is repeated. Yes. (laughs) Let's not ever do that, please. Please, humans. It's like sin, get rid of sin, repeat. Sin, get rid of sin, repeat. Repeat. No. No. So he needs to be completely rid of it. That's right. The Bible says that God will get rid of it thoroughly. Um, once and for all. Some people, some people say, "Oh, yeah, but when we get to heaven, we won't be able to sin anymore." Mm, but that would be that would require a removal of um, free choice and free will, which would require a lack of um, love. the abolition of love. That's right. Yeah. You, can't have, you can't have love. You can't have you'd love without a- free yeah, choice. You'd be automatons. Yeah. Which is not love real. does not exist without free choice. So basically, this is in the way that. We're, Christians are often accused of just having blind faith. This is basically a thousand years of faith-affirming evidence. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, okay. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, so um, the judgment is, is is held in open court before Jesus comes back. You and I are not able to be there, but we are going to live for eternity. So what God does is he opens the books of judgment for a second time. Mm-hmm. And he's like, all right, these are all the decisions that we made while you were on earth. Please examine in the minutest detail you want every record that there is. Now, I think there'll probably be a lot of people that won't have questions. Yeah, I was just wondering, do I really have to read them all? (laughs) And people that do have questions might only have one or two questions. Yeah. But all of those questions will be answered. It's mind-boggling to think that someone might have a thousand years' worth of questions. Yeah, I don't think there'll be an individual that will have a thousand years. I, I tend to think that it'll be one of those things where it's like, you know, this is a bit of a uh, a private discussion we might have with God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we might not want to, you know, put our hand up in the middle of uh, a crowd that, you know, includes the saved of all ages and say, hey, what about so-and-so? Yeah. We might say... Jesus, let's just step aside here for a little while and have a bit of a conversation about this particular individual. I don't want to smear his or her reputation. Um, and so Jesus, like oh, I said, a thousand years aside, we can we can do this. I hope there's going to be fun stuff as well. I mean, not saying that's not fun. I think that, um, well, you, you think about it. But I'm it. just thinking like I'm going to be so relieved to finally get to heaven. I think I just want to go play with some animals first. <laughs> I want to go build something. Yeah. Um, something really cool. I don't know what, but it's going to be very cool. Um, but uh, I like animals, but I think I'd bore, be bored after the first day or so. I really don't think you're ever going to get bored in heaven, Lyle. No, but um, just animals? <laughs> I'm going to have more than just animals. I've got to build something. I'm you can go eat some raspberries. Something. I'm going to have a workshop. It's going to be amazing. Okay. And I will eat raspberries. Yes, your favorite food. They are on the tree of life. Did you know that? No. Well, I think you're making stuff up. What do you mean? You're so making stuff up. There are 12 different fruits on the tree of life. I don't think the raspberry is one of them. There is raspberries, loganberries, boysenberries, blackberries, gooseberries, strawberries, um, white raspberries, red currants, 
black currants. Um, Cranberries, Lyle. I'm running short Cloud on berries. berries. Sorry? Cloudberries. Cloudberries. I, I need two more. Have you got lingonberries? Lingon. I had Logan's, but not Lingon's. You got lingonberries? Lingonberries. Oh, blueberries, blueberries. You can't miss out blueberries. Yeah. Oh, uh, and mulberries. Mulberries. Yeah, mulberries. my favourite. There you go, mulberries. there you go, there you go. I got them. Got them all. Is it? So it's it's just just FYI, if you're listening to this and getting confused, this, this is nothing biblical. Lyle just likes berries, okay? <laughs> I like no small fruit. There's no verse supporting this. Except small fruit is the best. <laughs> and there'll be no thorns on it either. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watermelon because that's my favourite food. Yeah. yeah, well, they can grow some watermelon vines around the bottom of the tree of life. Oh, thanks, Lyle. Thanks yeah, for old yeah, no time's worries, sake. No worries. For Faith yeah, FM's yeah, sake. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. We'll call it the Faith FM patch, melons and berries. <laughs> 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 I'm down. That's cool. All right. Okay, getting distracted by food and animals. We were talking about what will happen. So, I tend to think, you know, you might spend uh, a couple of hours maybe. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of that thousand years you'll spend... If you like playing with animals, yeah, enjoying heaven, enjoying perfection, enjoying a sin. But a thousand years world. is set aside because there's more than just you there. Mm-hmm. That's the point. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people there, and they all get their opportunity. Okay, so this is what God is about in uh, Daniel chapter seven, and let me just skip down to this. Uh, Where is it? It was right here. I beheld, and the same war made. Horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High. And Paul, of course, says that we will not just judge human beings during this time. We will judge angels as well. Really? Yes. So all of those angels that have you know chosen to be followers of Satan will be judged during this time by us. Wow. It's mind blowing. Well, it's not so much that they'll be judged by us, but that we will see their judgment in the same way that the universe has seen, mm-hmm. you know, the judgment of this earth. It's it's mind boggling to think that we are privy to that, to the, the judgment of um, spiritual beings. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. In some ways, some people have uh, likened it to this, and it's, it's not a bad likeness, it's not a complete. Um, illustration of the judgment by any stretch of the imagination, but they've said basically what God does is he puts himself on trial. Satan has accused me of this. This is what I have done. Read the records. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. He is sticking himself on trial for our benefit. Yeah. Which is crazy. Who would ever do that? Yeah. Who who would be like, you don't believe me? Don't worry. I'll go to court. I'll put myself in that position and you can check it out. Yeah, um, that has been done. Really? Yeah. The Adventist Church did that one time with Ellen White. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Put Ellen White on trial for perjury. Not perjury, a plagiarism. Plagiarism. Perjury. Because, because everybody accuses Ellen White of plagiarism. It's the biggest joke ever. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you jump on the internet and everybody's you know, raving on about how Ellen White was a plagiarist. And, uh, and, and nobody's ever been game to take it to court uh, because... Um, you know, you have to obviously have to spend money to do so. But you know, if you if you if you're willing to fork out the money, then it would be a great way to discredit Ellen White. Mm-hmm. And so the Adventist Church got sick of it, and so um, they took it to court. That's great. <laughs> took their own team to court, <laughs> proved themselves innocent. The yeah, they, they forked out the money to have the whole case investigated and find out whether she committed any kind of plagiarism. And did she? No. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> nice move. Yeah, absolutely. That's of course, she had move. to be tried under, um, you know the laws of the 1800s, early 1900s, because, you know, those laws yeah, have changed laws since then. Change, yeah. And there's every possibility that under modern legislation she would not, you know, pass the uh, 
that, that, that you know she probably wasn't using Turabian or whatever it was to um, they use these days. There's a Turn whole bunch in. of different ways to yep. um, reference your works, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, there was um, for the day and age she was well age, within her legal well, limits. Well within yep. legal limits. Yeah, yeah, good on her. She wasn't breaking any law whatsoever at all. Yeah, so that does happen on occasion, um, and it's always good fun when it does. Anyway, we are going to move on. This is Jaden Levick, and Jaden is going to bring us the song I Surrender All. I love this rendition. Beautiful song.
Jaden Levick with I Surrender All here on Faith FM, and we are in the book of Revelation. The clue has been snapped up. The quiz is gone. Yes, Michael from uh, Kurumbong. Yeah, good on you. The answer, of course, being Rome, and he won himself a copy of Babylon Rising, the book by John Bradshaw, which I'm sure um, um, I'm sure he's going to enjoy very much. Absolutely. Okay, so what happens at the end of the thousand years? Um, A number of things that we know takes place. The Bible says, but the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. So what do we know is going to happen at the end of the thousand years, Mon? Um, She's going to die. No, the rest of the dead... Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. ...did not live again. Yeah, Yeah, well, they're not going to live again, so they're... Until the end of the... Double die? Until the end of the thousand years. Oh, so they're coming back to life? Yes. Then they're going to die. Then they're going to die. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a little okay. bit confusing the way they put that, isn't it? It kind of is. Yeah. Um, now, here's an interesting thought. If Satan was imprisoned by the people being taken away, mm. if the people are then brought back at the end of the thousand years, in other words, the rest of the dead did live again at the end of the thousand years, what does that do to Satan's status? Is he now still in prison or not? No, now he's well. You know, no, no. Now he's got like a massive amount of people to tempt deceive. And, yeah, deceive and absolutely, he cannot deceive them in relationship to salvation. He deceives them into because they're already lost. But yeah. he deceives them in relationship to something he can really else. Can really make altogether. the bad worse. All right. So here's what we know will happen at the end of the thousand years. We know the rest of the dead will come back to life. Mm-hmm. The Bible says in verse seven, and when the thousand years have finished, Satan will be let free out of his prison. So his circumstances change. He's now free again. So the rest of the dead have come back to life. Satan is there free to deceive them. Okay? Gotcha. We also know if we uh, go to uh, chapter uh, 21, verse 2, if you could read that one for us, please, Mon. 21 verse 2 says, And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Thank you. Okay, so we also know that the new Jerusalem comes back down to this earth. The Bible says the meek shall inherit the earth. The Bible says that Abraham was promised that this world would be his home and we could go from one promise to another, to another, to another, to another. This earth is our home. Amen. Certainly we spend a thousand years in heaven, in the New Jerusalem, with Jesus Christ. But the Bible says that this earth is our home. The Bible says that we will go out, we will build houses, we will plant gardens, uh, we will live in them, we will do real things. In We're the basically earth. just crashing on God's couch for a thousand years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. doing a bit of um, um, couch surfing <laughs> yeah. um, for, for a thousand years before we come back to this earth. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's what we've got so far. We have a resurrection of the wicked that takes place. That sets Satan free, and we also have the return of Jesus, the New Jerusalem, and the righteous to this earth. Do you think that might cause some conflict? Oh, just a little bit, yeah. It does cause some conflict, and we're going to read about that conflict in just a moment. But before we do, we have to ask this question. Why raise the, why, why raise the wicked who are dead back to life again? Why, That's why, a very why, good question. Why does God use his creative power to kill people twice? That's a really good question. You think they're dead, they're done with, just leave them there. Just leave them be. A thousand yeah. years has gone past. You know, time heals wounds. Those those wounds are long gone. Uh, just just leave them be. Is he giving them a second chance? No. Because they've already had a million second chances, haven't they? That's right. I don't know. Why aren't they coming back to life? Okay, so here's what happens. Why don't you read for us verse 11, 12, 11 to the end of the chapter. 
uh, of chapter, chapter 20. 20. Okay. And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, and the death and the grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. Then the then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death, and anyone whose name is was not recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Thank you. So we've got, another, like a, we've got another judgment. Is this like a clean-up process? Because, you know, when they all died, there's no one left to bury Anyone else? Is this a way of like cleaning up the bodies? I tend to think after a thousand years, they've pretty much cleaned themselves up. Yeah. Natural process is uh-huh. going to take care of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it kind of slows things down again to bring them back to life. And So we're doing a second judgment. Third. Third. There's judgment that happens before Jesus comes back. Okay. There's judgment that happens during the thousand years. Uh-huh. Now you've got a third. Why do we need a third judgment? Wait, wait, wait. Maybe in the thousand years, we'd, I don't know. I don't know. All right, let's think about this for a moment because this is this illustrates just how thorough God is. Before Jesus comes back, a judgment has to take place. It takes place, you know, and that judgment is just to decide who's saved and who's lost. It takes mm-hmm. place in front of the assembled multitudes of the universe. It yeah. takes place in open court so that throughout the entire universe there is no one who is left with any doubt whatsoever or any seed of doubt that God is just, God is merciful, and God is all loving. Right? Mm-hmm. Then during the thousand years, because you and I, we weren't there. We do not have that benefit. And so it's possible that a seed of doubt could be left somewhere amongst the righteous who have been resurrected and taken to heaven. Gotcha. Okay. So in front and of the so righteous. There is a, yes, and so there is a, so God opens the books again and says, all right, look for yourself. But not everybody's there to look for themselves. Because the, the wicked who have died are, are not there. That's right. So and you, what if, what if the records are inaccurate? That's what right. if just one wicked person could come back to life and say, ah, mm, stop, please, ah, uh, right there, you need to make a correction on that point. So this is like a third judgment. It's not in front of the spiritual realm. It's not in front of the goodies. Now it's in front of the baddies, and the baddies have the opportunity to see for themselves that like God was just all along and that the situation there and now is as a result of their own doing and nothing to do with God's character. Absolutely. I gotcha. You see, when the wicked... When the wicked read their own record in the books of judgment. And as they read that record, they put their hand up and say, Yep, guilty. I cannot be saved. I cannot live for eternity. I would destroy the universe if that was to take place. I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I confess that he is righteous. I confess that he is all-loving. And I confess that I cannot be saved. Not so much that I cannot be saved, but I chose not to be saved. I chose not to be saved, yeah. Yeah. Um, When the wicked do that, that really does remove the last shred of doubt. Absolutely. You know, there really, really is now no doubt left anywhere in the universe whatsoever at all as to the justice of God. It's going to be incredible. 
Oh yeah, absolutely, and uh, and that's exactly what we have taking place in this situation. Is God is le- is leaving no stone unturned? Is this? He even goes as far as saying, you know what? I'm going to raise to life every wicked person who has ever died, and give them their day in court. And it's like, okay, if you you guys got something to say, speak now. Or forever hold your peace. And when they all hold their peace, well, actually, they don't hold their peace. The Bible says every knee shall shall bow and every tongue confess. I was going to say, is this what it means when it says every tongue shall confess? This is the only time in the universe that that prophecy could ever be fulfilled. Because the only time in the universe when every single person, every single creature is alive at one time and in one place. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty dramatic, isn't it? Yes, incredible. And that's when we have this fire that the Bible describes as the second death in uh, Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8. If you could read that one. Oh, we're out of time. Darn it. The Bible describes it as the second death. Revelation 21 verse 8. Go and look it up for homework. This is Alison Brooke. If not for his love, you're listening to Faith FM.
listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Hey, are you part of camping caravanning scene? Join Australia's largest annual national gathering of travellers and caravanners at the Stewart's Point Convention Centre this year, Stewart's Point, New South Wales. It's an amazing campground among the trees. Inspirational Christian speakers. With incredible music. And beautiful beaches. And a relaxing environment. Be part of the community and make friends for life. May 10 through 18. Stewart's Point Caravan and Convention Centre. Contact Debbie on 02-4994-3220 or simply email graynomads at adventist.org.au. Trouble I wish wasn't there And I have asked a thousand ways That you would take my pain away You would take my pain away I am trying to understand this weary land Make straight the paths that crooked lie Oh Lord before these feet of mine Oh Lord before these feet of mine When my world is shaking Heaven stands my heart is breaking I never leave your hands When you walked upon the earth You healed the broken, lost and hurt I know you hate to see me cry Set all things right Yeah, one day you will set all things right When my world is shaking Heaven stands When my heart is breaking I never leave your Breaking 
You're listening to JJ Hello with your hands here on Faith FM. We have come to question of the daytime. Mon, what has our listener asked or a listener asked today? Oh, yeah, great question today. Um, so this is uh, coming from, oh, I can't remember their name, sorry. But the question is, how do you have devotions? And let me just ask it again on camera so I can get this on video, Lyle. Sure. How do you have devotions? Okay, that's a really good question. And we probably should b- begin by explaining uh, what devotions are. What are we talking about when yeah, we talk about devotions? This is, uh, this is Christianese that we're, we're, we're dealing is. with in the average person down the street. Like devotions, what is devotions? Yeah, because it sounds like we're mixing up our nouns and our verbs. And, yeah. yeah. And so in Protestant evangelical kind of uh, circles, devotions is a term that we use that refers to our daily spiritual connection with God. Um, and so, you know, outside of those circles, it probably means a whole bunch of different things. You know, some people go to see relics, some people go to mass, some people, you know, in, in, in different faith communities. But within Protestant evangelical communities, um, the word devotions refers to that time where we personally connect with God every day. And so you've got a number of great examples of this in the Bible. You've got King David, for instance, who spent three times a day in prayer. Um, the prophet Daniel did also. The Bible records how he would open his windows towards Jerusalem and pray three times a day for the restoration, amongst other things, of the temple which was in Jerusalem. And so the concept of devotions is you know, found throughout the Bible. You've got Abraham who would set up an altar and sacrifice and bring his family together for worship wherever he went. And so there are a number of different contexts in which you find devotions uh, in Scripture. You find personal devotions, you find family devotions, and you find corporate devotions. Corporate devotions is when you go to church and you worship together corporately. Family devotions is when you have worship together as a family, and personal devotions is your personal spiritual connection with God. Okay, so many different formats that they can, that, that, that can take. And really what it comes down to is that you as an individual need to figure out, you need to understand what is it that is actually going to work for you because what works for you may not work for somebody else. But a couple of principles that need to be kept in mind. Number one is start your day with devotions. Start your day with a connection with Jesus Christ. Um, It's very easy to get on into the day and for the day to slip away. And so it's it's most important that we have devotions early in the day rather than late in the day. Um, devotions need to, you know, amongst other things, they need to to involve prayer, um, where we spend time in prayer with God, because devotions really is all about communication with God. It's building a relationship, and a relationship is built through communication. And the primary means of communication that we have with God is through prayer, and the primary means of His communication with us is through the Bible. And so reading the Bible would be another part of devotions that I think would be integral. It would be very, very difficult to have devotions without actually spending some time reading the Bible. And so um, this is some time that you need to spend in Bible study. It needs to be time that you spend in prayer. Um, There are many other things that you can do as a part of devotions. There are many wonderful devotional books that are out there, books that are written specifically, either specifically for a devotional experience or they're just good inspirational books that are about the Bible and about spiritual concepts that are in the Bible that are well worth reading. 
Uh, many people who are not that great at reading will listen to you know the Bible or spiritual books, these kinds of things. Um, you know, as a, as a podcast or a recording or on their phone or or uh, whatever it might be. There are many different forms of taking in the Word of God. But basically, we need to be listening to the voice of God every day. We need to be talking to God. And of course, God can talk to us through nature. God can talk to us um, through providence. God can talk to us through a myriad of different ways. And some people love to have their devotions out in nature because they find that you know God really speaks to them there. And so what it amounts to is there are many different ways There is no specific way, but there needs to be two-way communication between you and God. And the most important thing about devotions is to actually do it. Yes, indeed. That is absolutely true. In fact, uh, um, it's been said that those who... who who skimp on their uh, devotion time with God will not be able to stand the last time. So it's it's really mm. that personal connection with God yeah. that we need to be cultivating every day that will strengthen our Christian walk and imbue our life uh, with the changing power of Christ. If you have a question, give us a call. Our number here is 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. In a quiet room How good, how good does it feel To be far away from the noise outside For a while, just for a while Pray it easy to the Lord above And telling Him just how I feel Reading the Holy to find nowadays there's people going every day ask them and they'll show you the way you buy your ticket with pain and it's a one way train just give me quiet times in a quiet room just the Lord and my soul
Welcome back, guys. That was Candy and Daryl with Quiet Times here on Faith FM. Okay, so what are we giving away for our giveaway today? We have a fabulous book called End Time Hope, A Journey to Eternity. This is our giveaway for today. All you have to do is be the first person to call us right now on 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. I know that our phones are just clear right now because our producer has just hung up the phone, so the phone lines are clear and waiting for your call. Was get somebody trying to sneak through and get the free offer no, before? Someone was asking a question. Someone was asking a uh, question. Okay, so the question of the day was coming yeah. in. Good. And uh, so, yeah, get a copy of this book right now. We only have one to give away. Uh, be the first person through, you get a copy of it. What is it about, Lyle? Okay, so this is uh, by, by Mark Finley, and it is, um, you know, we, we, we find terrorist threats, school violence, devastating tornadoes, the Notre Dame Cathedral burns down, etc., etc., etc. It doesn't actually talk about Notre Dame because that's a little bit too new. <laughs> but um, shaky economy, um, nuclear threat, you know, it goes on and on. And where do... Where do we find peace and security in a world that offers very, very little of that? Excellent question. And this is the question that Mark Finley is answering. End time hope, a journey to eternity. Uh, Mark Finley will show you that the Bible gives hope in the times in which we live. Which is a really important thing to note that, you know, there is hope in this time. Give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM. You can get a copy of that. We, of course, will be back tomorrow morning after the 7 o'clock news with Thursday's show. In the meantime, if you would like to study the Bible for yourself or learn more about Jesus and His character, you can also call us here at 1-800-FAITH-FM. We have many Bible studies and uh, people that we can link you up with to study the Bible with you. Such splendor all around And he tells about a river of life That flows beneath the throne Where we'll drink and live eternally In a mansion all our own Oh, if that don't make you want to go Brother, if that don't make you want to go Sister, if that don't make you want to go To heaven, I don't know what does To bear and death can't enter in No fighting and no battlefields No war, no enemy Where the lamb and lion lay side by side In that land of perfect peace Oh, if that don't make you want to go Brother, if that don't make you want to go Sister, if that don't make you want to go To heaven, I don't know
Jesus' feet. Oh, if that don't make you want to go, brother, that don't make you want to go, sister, if that don't make you want to go to heaven, I don't know what does. I don't know.